Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Awesome to see everyone here today. I'm Pastor Joey. For those of you that are, are new and uh, want to say welcome, uh, isn't this awesome just to see this down here? Yeah, we weren't quite sure how it was going to work out this year because we did it a little differently than in years past. But I'm so thankful to be a part of a church with crazy generosity. It's one of our core values. And uh, it's awesome to see that transpire and, and to see what we're able to do, not just in our local community, but in the world. Uh, today we are going to be beginning in Exodus chapter 35. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. The verses will also be on the screen. As we are beginning to kind of close out our time in the book of Exodus... And uh, I don't know, it's, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. So many awesome things God reveals about uh, himself, about the Lord, about Jesus, about what he would do when he would come. And, and we're going to begin to leave kind of like the beginning of Israel's relationship with God to then into the time of the, the desert with Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and see how um, God is revealing himself in those ways in the coming days but uh, we're going to round off today, and uh, today's message is not going to be as heavy as, as maybe some of the ones previously. I don't know. Have you guys been enjoying kind of what God's been doing over the last few weeks? I mean, last Sunday, I didn't, I, I like, I can't even like articulate last Sunday. When we got to the worship time, I just, God's presence was just so thick here. I didn't want to leave. I didn't, I didn't want to speak. I just wanted to be like, Okay, God, I know I'm supposed to dismiss, but I don't even want to talk on this microphone, you know. So it was just awesome just to be in the presence. And the same God that was with us last week is here today, y'all. It's the same God. He's with us. He doesn't go anywhere. So we don't have to be shouting at the top of our lungs in order to experience the presence of God. He wants to do the same in us today as he did yesterday and the day before. And I'm thankful to uh, be in, in a place where the presence is here but here in Israel, remember last week, uh, God was finally able to rekindle his covenant with Israel. They, they reestablished the relationship. God showed them the glory again. The law was given on the stone tablets again. And they received the instructions on how to maintain this relationship with God. Now, in Exodus 35, beginning in verse 4, I want to I do a little exercise with you because I want you to see the point of what we're going to be talking about today. So the verses will be on the screen, uh, and on the verses are some words that are highlighted. They're, they're in bold. When we get to those words, I want you to say those words with me. You got it? So, so if it says Jesus in bold, you say? All right, good. You're tracking with me. The coffee is hit. Caffeine is in full swing. We're good to go. All right. So, so we're in this place. But if you remember, Moses received all the instructions for the tabernacle when he was on the mountain with God. God told him how to build everything. And if you think about what God said, God said, now don't fail to miss any of the instructions that I've given you. Do it exactly the way I told you to do it. And if you put yourself in Moses' place, you'd be like, man, that's, that's a tall order. That's a heavy weight. How, how am I going to do that? And uh, God, in his mercy and grace... Cuts Moses some slack, and he says, you're not going to have to do it alone. I'm going to raise up people with you. And so here in verse chapter 35, beginning in verse 4, God tells Moses to go announce to the community that the time to build the tabernacle has come. The time has come. I've told you how to do it. I've told you what it means. I've, I've revealed my glory. Now you are to do the work I've called you to do. So beginning in verse 4 says, let's pray real quick. I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that you would speak through your word. God, we know your word never returns void. And I pray, God, that the enemy would not be able to translate your word into something it was not meant to be. He is not able to twist and turn, God, but that our hearts are open to the truth and who remains in the truth will be set free. So, God, I pray you begin setting some people free today. God, I pray that seeds that uh, are sown in your word will land on good soil. God, and I'm so thankful for what you have purposed and planned for us in the future. God, we know that because you've spoken it, it will come to pass. We have no doubt, God, that you are faithful. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Verse 4. 
Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering for the Lord and let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for cloth, tanned ram skins and fine goat skin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil, fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. Come all of you who are gifted craftsmen. Construct everything that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle and its sacred tent, its covering, its clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark and its carrying poles, the ark's cover, the place of atonement, the inner curtain to the shield of the ark, the table, its carrying poles, and all its utensils, the bread of the presence for light, the lampstand, its accessories, the lamp cups and olive oil for lighting, the incense altar and its carrying poles, the anointing oil and fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering, the bronze grating of the altar and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin and its stand, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtains for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs of the tabernacle and courtyard and the ropes, the beautifully stitched garments for the priest to wear while ministering in the holy place. The sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. So the whole community of Israel left Moses, returned to their tents, and all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all whose Hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers, necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. All those who owned the following items willingly brought them. Blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for cloth, and tanned ram skins and fine goat skin leather. And all who had silver and those who had acacia wood brought it for the use of the project. And all the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning prepared blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen cloth. All the women who were willing used their to spin the goat hair into yarn. The leaders brought onyx stones and special gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. They also brought spices and olive oil for light, the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense. So the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work the Lord had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. There's a lot there, but I want you to see a theme. I want you to get what God is revealing to us in his word as Israel, the people of God, are getting, to, getting ready to build the tabernacle of God, the place where God's presence would dwell with them in physical reality, where God would be with his people. They are getting ready to do this thing. Here is what they do. And here's the description of how they built the tabernacle. So if you think about everything we just read, do you remember what was Israel doing prior to the Red Sea? What were they? They were slaves, right? Where did slaves get all that stuff? I mean, think about it. Think about our nation. We had a history where we had a time where slaves were, were working in the southern fields do you think if at one fell swoop they all just up and left and went into safety in the north that they would be carrying all of those things? No way. They'd be dirt poor. They'd be barely surviving. So where did they get all this stuff? In Exodus chapter 12, the night that God has Israel prepare for the Passover, the very next day after the firstborn son of all of Egypt, they're, they're killed. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 35 through 36, 
It says, And the people of Israel did as Moses instructed. They, they painted their, their doors with the blood. They were passed over by the angel of death. They were able to leave now. Pharaoh let them go. Here's what it says. It says, They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of what? Silver and gold. So God rains down these plagues on Egypt. Finally, the last plague is complete. They go house to house asking for silver and gold. And it says, The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. Go God! Right? Not only are you setting me free, I get to keep all their stuff. Yes! Right? God is an awesome God. But just think, think about the, the, the impact or the, the depth of what is happening here. This nation, the most powerful nation in all the world, has this people group enslaved. God not only decimates their economy, but then each individual family sends one of these Jewish families with all their wealth and blesses them on the way out. I mean, just that alone is miraculous. They got their wealth from the Egyptians. Why? Because of the favor of the Lord. Now, ask yourself this question. What was God's intention for giving them the wealth? Was it just to bless them so they could be comfortable? Was it just to merely make them wealthy and take away all their financial strain or their worries? Or did he have a greater vision of what he wanted to build? What he wanted to do. God gave them everything they needed to accomplish the work he wanted them to do. What did he want them to do? To build him a house so he could dwell with them. And everything they needed, he prepared and he provided. Build me a house so I can dwell with you. Now, what they gave was no insignificant thing. In Exodus 38, 24 through 25, it said the people brought special offerings of gold totaling 2,193 pounds as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. This gold was used throughout the tabernacle. The whole community of Israel gave 7,545 pounds of silver as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. If you think about just the gold and the silver alone, not including the brass or all the linens and the, the hides and skins and everything that they needed to make the, the tabernacle, if you just think of the gold and silver alone, today's value, the gold would be approximately $37,376,486.88. The silver would have been $1,751,465.33. That is camping in style, y'all. How would you like to go glamping in that, right? God knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. But you know what, beloved? When God calls a people, he also gives them a work to do. And six years ago, God called a people to the Clio area. And over the course of the years, he's been planning a vision. And this last year, we began praying for what we called our 2020 vision. We were praying that God would add 20 families to our church in 2020, but also God would lead us to our own place. And he's provided us some land. And we have a vision of putting a building on that land. Why? So that we have a place to encounter the presence of God. So that this area has a place they can go where the presence of God can be found. Now, our estimates of what we're wanting to build are nowhere near what God was doing in Israel. The lowest estimates around 500,000 to start with one building. If we built the whole complex we're envisioning, we might be around 1 to 3 million. That's nowhere near 37 million, thank the Lord. But what's interesting is that God didn't give them the go-ahead to build until they had the offerings given that were needed. God didn't say, go back to Egypt and borrow and become slaves again. God gave them what they needed. The people just had to give out of the free release of their heart. They had to willingly come and say, God, my heart's been stirred. 
my spirit's moved. I see what you're doing. I see what you want to accomplish, and I'm going to buy in to this vision. The key in Exodus 35, 21 says, all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. And some of you, this has been such an awesome ride. Some of us in this room have, our hearts have been stirred, our spirits moved, and you've given. Some very sacrificially. Some very extravagantly. And it's so awesome. Some of you have had hearts stirred. You've brought your gifts to the Lord over and above your tithe that he is building for us. Remember, in Israel, God said, if you want my presence, you want to maintain this relationship, give me the first of your cattle, the first of your livestock. This was the first tenth of all that they had. This was the tithe. This offering for the tabernacle was not replacing their tithe. This was over and above. This was over and above everything God had commanded them to do. Why? Because sometimes there are significant things God wants to do, and it takes more than basic obedience. It takes a stirred heart and a willing spirit. I'm thankful for those that have given to build his house. But if you look in your worship guide, we're only at about $15,000 saved for this house that God wants to give. We're a long ways away. And it's my heart that as our people capture the vision of what God is doing and recognize that what we've been experiencing the last few weeks, God wants to continue and not just for us, but for this whole community, it puts some urgency on praying, God, what would you have me to give? God, what would you like me to surrender? They didn't just build the tabernacle structure either. They didn't just furnish the tabernacle. They provided the priest's clothing and everything that was needed for the ministry. They, they, they supplied it all. It wasn't just enough to get the blueprint. They, they, they supplied everything that was needed, and they continued to give. Everyone gave freely as they were moved by God. And this is so key because the Word of God says if you give out of, out of, a, out of a, a begrudging spirit, if you give reluctantly or, or out of duty, God doesn't even accept it. God doesn't want it. God doesn't want a gift with attachments. You know, so, so many times people will give but they want to ensure that everything goes directly where they desire it to go. Or if I give for the carpet, I want to make sure it's the color I want, right? God doesn't want a gift with attachments. He wants a gift of love. He wants a gift from the heart. And the beauty of what we read here in Exodus 36, 4 through 6, as the people didn't just give once, but they gave again, and then again, and then again, and they continued to give. They continued to pile up these offerings until... One day, the ones who were in charge of the construction plan says, finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, the people have given them what? More than enough. More than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So think about this. Not only did they give so much money, but they still had more to give. So not only did God set them up ahead of time before the exodus, before they left slavery and into freedom, God gave them so many things, so much stuff, that after all of that giving, there was still much more to go around. We in America have a lot to be thankful for. Do you realize, the last statistics I saw, that if you own two vehicles in your home, you're amongst the top 20% richest people on the planet. There are people in countries today that live on 5 to $7 a week, let alone make that an hour. The wealth that we experience in this nation is astronomical. And I would say everything that we need, God has already given. Everything that we need. Verse 6 says, Moses gave the command, and this message was sent out through the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. I, I can't imagine being a pastor or knowing a pastor that would tell his people, okay, it's good. You don't have to give anymore. Right? Then think about every church you've ever been a part of. It's always, we're, we need more money. We need more money. We got this going on. We need more money. And to be able to say, you know what? We got enough. But I believe God's that kind of God. I believe that he will supply more than enough. 
says, and so the people stopped bringing their offerings. They continued to give until there was enough, but more than enough. And our God is a God of more than enough. So if we simply give as God moves in our hearts and continue to give until the need is met, we won't just have enough. We will have more than enough. And it's my heart that God doesn't want us to take out debt to build this building. He doesn't want to make us slaves to something he wants to use to set people free. He wants a debt-free building. And so I want to encourage you to even now begin praying, God, what would you have me to give? Maybe you gave once. Maybe he wants you to continue. Even if it's a commitment of $5 a week, sacrificing one Starbucks coffee for a heart for the kingdom, whatever God would put on your heart, I would encourage you to do that and continue to give until we have everything we need. But the thing is this, God is not interested in building a building. It's not what he's interested in. So neither should we, totally. The building will be nice, but that's not really God's interest. He wasn't really interested in building the tabernacle for Israel. That wasn't the point. See, the building of the tabernacle was just the beginning for Israel, but they had a greater mission and they had a greater purpose. Their role was to be priests of God to the world. That wherever they went, so would the light and the presence of God. That they were literally taking God around with them. And that they would be the light post. They would be the, the, the beacon of hope to the world to come and find salvation. That was the point. So God dwelled with them so that God could draw all people to himself. And God's purpose in us building a building is not to have a building, but there is a greater mission, a greater purpose. As the church of Jesus Christ, we have a, a mission and a purpose that exceeds even beyond any of our full understanding. In Mark chapter 16, 17, the very famous scripture passage, Jesus is going around asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? I'm hearing these rumors, I'm hearing what people are saying in, in, in the community, who do you say that I am? And, and they all go around kind of recanting or, or, or retelling what they've heard in the community. Some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist re-resurrected, some say this, some say that. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You're the one, you're the Savior of our souls. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, you only know that because the Father revealed that to you. There was revelation that, that gave you insight in this truth. But you, my friend, are a rock. You're a little tiny stone. But on this rock, this testimony that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church on that truth. And the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. The greater vision, the greater purpose and insight that God has for his people is to build up the church, which is not a building, it's a people. It's a people. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means a called out assembly. If you're a part of the church, you've called, been called out for something. Not just to attend a service on a weekend. You've been called into a bigger story, a greater mission. You've been called into the very purposes of God. And just as God through Israel built the tabernacle, God is using his people to build his church. How did God build the tabernacle? Well, first he unified the people around the covenant. A relationship with God. He had them love him with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he gave them a mission to build the tabernacle, the dwelling place of the Lord. And he equipped them with what they needed to do the task. After Yahweh downloads all the instructions to Moses for how to build this tabernacle again. He tells Moses, don't worry, I have your back. You're not going to be responsible for this alone. One man can't do this job. So I'm going to raise people up around you. Exodus chapter 36, 1 and 2 says, The Lord has gifted Bazalel, Aholiab, and other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord had commanded. And you can imagine Moses being like, whoo, 
had me worried there for a minute. I, I'm not real sure how to swing a hammer. And, like, they call me lightning because I keep pounding, but I don't hit the same place twice. You know, it's just like I don't know how to do this construction thing. That was really my nickname, but I'm throwing it in there to interject. But, but you know, it, it, there, he's just like, man. And so God raises other people up and gives them special anointing to do this work, special ability, wisdom, and skill. He gave them abilities to perform the work that he wanted them to do so they as a collective whole, as a people, could fulfill the very purpose that God had for them. Next is 35.10. Again, we see it wasn't just these three or four men that were tasked and were given ability. In Exodus 35.10, he says, Come, all of you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything the Lord has commanded. So he anointed some specific people to lead this thing, but he put a general call to all the craftsmen, all those with skill, to come build the tabernacle. Exodus 35 through 25, he says, all the women who were skilled. Verse 26, all the women who are willing and use their skills. Verse 27, the leaders came and brought onyx stones. Verse 28, they also brought spices and olive oil. Verse 29, so the people of Israel, every man woman who was eager to help in the work of the Lord and gave and brought their gifts to Moses and gave freely to the Lord. It wasn't just certain men tasked with doing the work. It was the whole community, men and women alike. Those that had special skill in doing this work. God used everyone, and not just the skillful, but ones whose hearts were willing and eager. The ones who say, God, I want in on this one. I want in on this. Let me in on this. And God used the gifts. Ephesians chapter 4, 7 and 8. God has also raised up certain individuals in the church and tasked them with special anointing to lead the building of his tabernacle of the church. It says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he allowed a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. When Jesus died on the cross and he went into the grave, he went into the place called Abraham's bosom where the righteous dead lay in wait for their ultimate salvation. He preached the gospel when he rose from the dead. The graves also opened up and the righteous dead raised to life with him and he took them to heaven with him when he ascended. And as he's in heaven in glory now as our great high priest, he then gives gifts to the church to not leave us empty-handed, to not leave us without a shepherd or without a leader. And what were the gifts he gave? Verse 11 says, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and their teachers. The fivefold ministry. I'm going to raise up certain people with an anointing and special gifting to help lead this thing that, that I want you to build. I'm going to build the church, but I'm going to give these leaders with special insight to help you build and do the work I've called you to do. Verse 12, is it their responsibility to do the work themselves? No. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work to build up the church, the body of Christ. It's not the pastor's job to win the world. It's our job. It's our job. He gave certain individuals special ability, special anointing, some apostles, those with spiritual leadership, prophets, those who declare the word of the Lord, evangelists, those with a gift of sharing the good news, pastors, those who can nurture and care for the flock of God, and teachers, those with great ability to instruct in the word, to rightly divide the word of truth. But these are not the only ones with gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it's an amazing thing that after the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Something significant happened for the body of Christ. The Spirit of God was poured out. And now all who call on the name of Jesus to be saved have had the Spirit of God come to live within them. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, a spiritual what? A spiritual gift is given to some? To each. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can what? Help each other. Help each other do what? Do the work of the ministry. 
Do the work of building up the church, the body of Christ, the very dwelling and tabernacle of God. So the leaders that God appoints equip you by imparting into you what they've received from the Lord to build you up so that you can turn around and use your gifts to help each other. And by using the gifts of the Spirit to build each other up, this is how the church is built up and strengthened. Where we become everything God has intended for us to be. And when the church is at full strength, we become a great light. A great light. We become the dwelling place established for God's presence on the earth. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Paul also says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. This is what the gifts of the Spirit are given for, to build up and strengthen the church. And the manifestations of the presence of God come through the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, Jesus said in John 16, the Spirit of God will reveal all truth. Which means his job is to reveal. His job is to introduce Jesus to the world, to draw hearts, to place their faith in trusting Jesus, to work in us and through us so that we can demonstrate and reveal Jesus to the world. And as we do that with one another, build and strengthen each other, we become very attractive to the world around us. There is a deeper purpose in this. And again, if you don't understand what's happening in the Old Testament, a lot of the things in the New Testament don't make a lot of sense. But there's a story of what God is doing in and through Israel that God is revealing and manifesting in the New Testament church. Again, in Israel, they had a threefold priesthood. They had themselves as a nation of priests. Then they had a called out group, the Levites, that were priests among the priests. And then they had the family of Aaron that were the high priests amongst the priests. Just as the church of Jesus Christ is a holy nation, a holy priesthood. The leaders God calls and equips are the priests among the priests. And Jesus is now our eternal high priest in heaven. It's a mirror image of what God was doing. And when Israel finally constructed all the furnishings, they constructed the tabernacle, it was fully incomplete. The priests were ordained. Moses had everything set up and put in its place. The lampstand was in the holy, holy place, filled with oil, burning bright. The table of showbread was set up with the wine and the bread. The altar of incense was before the curtain and the veil and the Ark of the Covenant. And its incense was just continually burning before the Lord. Everything was in place. Exodus 40, verse 34. This is so amazing. It says, then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. When the dwelling place of God was built up, the presence of God descended upon it. When the dwelling place of God is built up, the presence of God will descend upon it. I'll say it again. When the dwelling place of God is built up, the presence of God will descend upon it. And now you understand why Paul in Galatians 5 says to walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. What were they doing? They were watching the cloud. When the presence had descended, if the presence lifted, they'd pick up and they'd go wherever the presence was. They would go. They would follow God in the desert wherever they went. There was always provision. There was always protection. There was always the revelation of God. Everywhere they went. We as the church of Jesus Christ, when we're built up in the Lord, his glory is going to fill our temple. We're spending time in the presence of God. There should be a glow about us. When we are built up and strengthened, his presence is going to be able to manifest in our lives and manifest in our gatherings, either through the gifts of the Spirit or greater revelation. And as we surrender to his leadership in our lives, he will not only guide us, but he will direct our steps. Because only God can lead us through a wilderness and into blessing. 
craziest times in our lives can be flipped from difficulty to destiny by walking in the Spirit. And see, this is what he's intended for the church. Paul says over and again that without struggle, without trial, we won't develop in greater endurance and greater in our confident hope of Christ Jesus. And often God will lead us in the desert, walking in the Spirit, learning how to walk in the Spirit so at the right time for the blessing to be revealed that we're ready for. And this is what we're going to see over the course of Israel's journey is them getting prepared to enter the promised land, the fullness of the blessing that God wanted to give them. But as the church of Christ, often we have to struggle so that we get away from being connected or attached to the comforts of this world and we recognize in God, that's our only comfort. Our security is not in our 401k or, or, or in all the things we can manage. Our security is in the one who sits on the throne. Our peace doesn't come from who's in the White House. Our peace comes from the one who sits on the great white throne. It's a complete change. Don't be conformed to the behaviors and customs of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And sometimes before you can see differently, you have to begin to think differently. And so God will send us through struggle and trial so that we stop chasing stuff that will let us down. And we start looking at the one who will never let us go. And we'll cling to him. Learn to walk in the spirit. To be built up and strengthened so that we can build up and strengthen others. God wants us to be so rooted in him, so connected to his presence that we would not give into the flesh. We, would, we wouldn't even see sin as attractive, but we'd fulfill the purpose of God for the tabernacle of Jesus, which is his body, the church. In Exodus chapter 40, verse 38, it says, The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and the night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all the journeys. I love, and it just, it just hit me just right here, just reading that. It says, all the family of Israel could see it. That wasn't even my point. I long for all the family of Jesus to be able to see the glory of God and the demonstration and power of his Holy Spirit. I long for every believer in Christ to hear God's voice, to know when he's speaking. I long for every believer to know what it's like to lay their hands on the sick and see somebody healed. I long for every believer in Christ to have that relationship with God where signs, wonders, and miracles can be demonstrated. Why? Because it is the most exhilarating experience to know this great God chose lowly me to do this in somebody's life. It is more humbling and more, like, mind-bending than anything I've ever experienced. But the cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and the night fire glowed inside. What is significant about this? It's the purpose of the tabernacle. It's the purpose of the dwelling place of God. It's the purpose of the body of Christ. Think about the metaphor here. They were in the desert. We're talking 120, 130 degrees. It's a wasteland. It was called the wilderness of sin, which meant clay. There was, there was nothing there. God was supernaturally providing for them so that they could just survive, right? It's, it's terrible. What do you long for in a desert with scorching heat? Water. But you also long for some shade. When the sun's beating down on you, there are no trees in sight. You long for some shade. When that cloud rolls in and for a minute the sun comes off of your skin and you can feel a slight breeze, oh, that's good. That's good. What do you long for when you're in the middle of the night, lost in the wilderness where there is no light? You long for a beacon of hope, a signal fire saying, there's hope here. There's shelter here. There's safety here. 
So the glory of the Lord among his people was comforting shade in the sweltering heat. It was a sign or beacon of hope in the darkest night. And he has anointed our leaders in the church. He's gifted our people with the gifts of the Spirit to do the work of building up his tabernacle for a specific purpose. After he ascended and gave gifts to his people in Ephesians 4.10, it says the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Jesus didn't just rise from the dead and go to heaven just to hang out. He's doing something. He's filling the universe with himself. The presence of God is filling the universe. But what has he done? He's left the church of Jesus Christ on the earth to fill the earth with his glory. To fill the earth with his glory. The church of Jesus is to be like shade in the sweltering heat and a beacon of hope in the darkest night to a world that is so far from him, a world that is lost and hurting, a world that is divided, a world that is confused, a world that is struggling and suffering. He wants us to be so filled with him and his presence that the atmosphere changes wherever we go. When you walk into a room, the atmosphere should change because the one in you is unlike anyone else. We can look at our world today and see how desperately the world needs a church to rise up and take its place as the tabernacle of the Most High God. And Jesus is filling the universe with himself, but he did not give us a command to just stay where we are and simply be light and shade in the comfort of our own home. He didn't tell us just be as comfortable as you can and hold on until the rapture and I I make everything good again. No, in Matthew 28, 19, the last command Jesus gave his disciples just before he ascended. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is taking care of the universe. He wants us to take care of the world. He wants us to fill the earth with his glory. And how do we do that? We build up and we strengthen the tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of God. We keep adding on additions. We keep sharing the love of Christ and introducing people to Jesus so that this wing over here we have to expand because it's just being filled up with more people. That the building that we build here in town isn't big enough, so we got to help some people build another building. we got to help send some people overseas to tell the people in Africa who've never even heard Jesus' name. We have to rise up and we have to say, I'm going to get personally invested. I'm going to become stirred in my heart and in my spirit. I'm going to become eager to do the work. I'm going to be eager. God, I want in on this. I want in on this work. Not just here, but out there. God, I want in on it. You know, we may be in covenant, but have we been filled with the glory of the Lord? But God is interested in more than a building. He's more than interested. He's interested in more than building us a building. He wants actually just to build us. A building's a tool. It's us he's interested in. He wants to build us. So that we can reveal his glory to the world. He wants to fill your life with his glory. He wants to realign your life so that you become a conduit for his glory to flow through you. A conduit for his love to pour out of you. Out into the world. He wants you to capture his vision so that you begin to capture a vision for the people in your life. Capture a vision for your place of work. Capture a vision for your family. See, the greatest gift God wants to bring, and the greatest gift God wants us to bring, it's not our money. It never has been. 
but it's always been your heart. Bring your gift to the Lord. Come and bring your gift. And the gift that he wants is your heart. When you bring your heart, God will bring the blessing. You bring your heart, God will bring the blessing. Maybe you've never been filled with the Spirit of God. You know the Lord, but you've never had an encounter with God. But you want to be among those who build the tabernacle. You want God to anoint you with the gifts of the Spirit to do His work. You want to discover what these gifts are so that you can be in on it. In just a moment when we stand, I encourage you to come forward. Come forward to be prayed for, to receive the gifts of the Spirit. We see this all the time in the New Testament. The disciples would come, they'd lay hands on people, they'd say, receive the Spirit, and the Spirit would just do His thing. It's awesome. Come. Be eager to get in on it. I'm going to invite the worship team forward as we begin to close. In just a moment when we stand, I encourage you to come bring your gift to the Lord. Bring your heart. Don't just listen to the songs. Give them your heart. Worship. Just worship the Lord. Sing, shout, pray. Let your heart be stirred in this place. Begin to ask yourself, God, what would you have me to give? I know we're in this building program and we're probably years out. If it continues in the same trend, God, what would you have me to give? I guarantee you the first thing he's going to say is I want you to give me your heart. You don't have enough money. You can't do it all on your own. I have all the money I need to do whatever I want. He's God. He owns everything. It's not about your money. It's really just about your heart. He's going to ask for your heart. And once he has your heart, then he can start blessing your money. See, that's what the tithe is, really. If you want to get down to it, he says, give me the first and the best of your, of your increase, and I'll bless the 90. You give me the 10, and I'll bless the 90. And beloved, we can do far more with a blessed 90 than we can a cursed 90 or a cursed 100. God wants us to give, a, give him your heart. And there are things that he asks us to do to show that our hearts are, are being offered to him. They're simple things, really. And it's really just a matter of trust. And, and so the first thing he would say is, give me your heart. You give me your heart, I'll start pouring out the blessing. Give me your heart, I'll start leading you. Start seeking my spirit. And you won't fulfill the desires of your flesh. Start seeking my presence in your life. Start tuning out the noise and start tuning in to my voice and see what begins to happen. Stop letting the media and the culture tell you what to hope in and hope for. Let the word of God show you the blessed hope. Start seeking. Give me more than just a few hours on a Sunday morning. Give me the first part of your day. Honor me and your family. Honor me with your time. Honor me with your resources. Honor me with a heart that says, God, I want to be in on whatever you're doing. I want to be in on it. Let's stand together. We go into a time of worship. Holy Father, God, I just thank you for what you're doing in us. I thank you, God, that your presence is here. I've been feeling the goose pimples of the Holy Spirit for the last 30 minutes. God, I thank you so much for your presence among us. It is what sets us apart from every other people on the earth. Your presence is life. And God, I know that there are those here that need to be touched by you, God. There are people that are just so discouraged. They need an encounter with your Holy Spirit. And just like that woman with the issue of blood who reached out and said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then it would make all the difference in the world. God, there are people here that need and desperately want to touch you, but they feel so far away from you. God, I, I just pray that you'd show them today that you're not far away. You're, you're close at hand. And really, if they come bearing their heart in their hands, God, your presence will come down to them, Lord. And I just, just release that in Jesus' name. God, that your healing power is even now beginning to flow. 
God, you're restoring power. Lord, you said you've come with an anointing to heal up broken hearts, to heal up the brokenhearted. God, there, there's some that have a shattered heart because of a broken past. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, you begin to draw. You begin to draw, Lord, that they'd come and they'd receive prayer, that prayer of healing to be prayed over them, God. And you begin to do that healing work right now. God, there are those here today that are hungry for more, but they're afraid to step out. God, I pray you give them the boldness now in Jesus' name to make their way down. And as hands are laid upon them in the name of Jesus is proclaimed, your spirit would so touch them, God, that they'd never be the same. God, that encounters with your spirit would begin to flow right now in Jesus' name. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, they're far from you. They know in their heart that if they were to die today, they're not sure if they'd make it into heaven. God, I pray that they would come and pray that prayer that will change everything. The prayer that introduces them to you. The prayer of salvation that says, God, forgive me of your sins. God, be my Lord and Savior. I trust Jesus in his death and resurrection. And I know, God, that your spirit is eagerly waiting to reveal the love of the Father today. God, I pray that you'd start drawing them now to come in Jesus' name. God, build up this tabernacle. God, build up this church. Lord, help us to encourage and strengthen one another. So as we are following the Spirit, as we're building each other up with our gifts, as we're using our gifts with an eager and a stirred heart, God, that your presence can descend upon us in Jesus' name. That's what we long for. That's what we hope for. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, do the work. Even now, in Jesus' name, if the Spirit of God is drawing you for prayer, you come. Come on down. Our prayer team's ready to pray with you. It's nothing embarrassing. It's altogether empowering and freeing to come and receive a touch from the Lord. You come as we sing. Amen. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you, and God bless.